everybody for, for anybody just joining us, um, Love Wub here uh, was at Comic Con yeah. last week, which one makes me extremely jealous um, because I was not able to go because of actual it's real true. life work. Um, oh, okay. Well, that's that's condescending, yeah. but that's fine. Um, it wasn't meant to be condescending. Maybe. Are you sure? A um, little bit. It was more. It was more out of jealousy than condescending. Um, you know, the the green can be seen in my face for the radio visual. Um, sure. But what I want to get at the question I want to ask you about Christopher is, Christopher is not as indoctrinated into the nerddom I feel as like you, Ben, me. I feel yeah. he's. I feel. I feel he's. He's he's just kind of really get like he's there. I, I I would class I'd give him a nerd, but he's not over the cliff like we are. See what I'm saying? No, oh, sure. Well, I mean, we're hosting a video game podcast, so right. That's a special kind of dork. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know. <coughs> Sorry. Maybe he's compose. really into like comics. Got it. He really like Batman. He loves Batman and uh, most of the DC stuff. He loves all the Marvel MCU stuff. I'm not a big fan of DCU like everybody else. Um, and he loves games. He just works a shit ton because he lives in downtown Chicago and you got to pay rent. Right. No, that's totally understandable. Um, you said he loves comics and then said he likes Batman and the MCU. So I don't, you know, those are, those are no, becoming... right. Like, yeah, he doesn't have, uh, I guess, a lot of depth. Although he did spend like $200 on comics while we were there. Nice. Uh, so he's trying to broaden his horizons a little bit. I uh, um, I was just, I was over my father-in-law's um, and we were uh, rooting, rooting through some things, speaking of comics. And uh, he opens this box and shows it to me. And apparently his mother uh, had kept a curated box and it's, it's not a comics. It's not a comic box. It's just a giant ass box. I think it's probably three feet long by two feet wide, big old rectangle. And he's like, Oh, you, you'll appreciate these binders. Like for those of you on the, uh, that are, that are listening to the podcast and not watching on the stream right now, binders like this thick, eight of them. Uh, there was a, there's, there's a number six justice league in there. Uh, wow. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's, there's a, there's a top 10 Superman in there. Uh, it, in fact, it's Action Comics. It's not even DC yet. Um, Woof. There's some Archies in there that are all in just mint condition. I'm just like, oh, what a what an unbelievable collection! And I just got to thumb, I got to thumb through that while you guys were. <laughs> oh God, last week. Yeah. So you just sat there and and uh, how do you say how do you say tortured yourself? I don't know if it was torture uh, with some of the pieces well, that were in that collection. It was, it was, uh, it was awesome. Um, yeah. To look at, not as awesome as like getting to be out there. What if, uh, what is, uh, what is your, your biggest takeaway? Uh, well, I, the, I mean, the biggest takeaway is running into all the cool people we ran into. So uh, we talked to a lot of cool artists. I don't know if you've read any Dustin Wen mm-hmm. uh, or his descender, his yep. descender series. Uh, he's a really great artist. I guess not red Dustin Wynn, but seen his artwork. Art. Yep. Yeah. He does a lot of watercolor stuff that's outstanding. And so uh, Ben got to share his portfolio review or portfolio with him and get some feedback. We talked to a, another guy named, uh, he goes by Cheeks. His name is Sean Galloway. He's really great. Um, but then we would uh, stalk the Hyatt 
bar downtown, right. which is just next door, and where is, all the fancy is people stock stay. The, is stock the appropriate word? Yeah. Well, okay, I mean, okay. I mean, we were like stalking around the room. <laughs> okay. You know got what it. I mean? Like moving slowly. <laughs> I, we weren't actually stalking people. All right. I was going to say, because uh, the three guys, for those of you who don't know what they look like, that could be kind of creepy and intimidating yeah. if these yeah, three guys are following you around. People. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we would go to the, the Hyatt and buy a couple of the drinks and, and kind of wander around through the crowd. We saw, you know, Grant Inahara from um, Mythbusters. Uh, nice. A couple of people from Parks and Rec, a couple of people from Love, which is a show on Netflix. Yep. Um, it was fun to just kind of rub elbows with them. And then uh, I ran into Travis McElroy, mm-hmm. if you're a fan of any McElroy shows. Yep. Uh, my Brother, My Brother, Me, Adventure Zone, so on mm-hmm. and so on. And uh, just, I actually just like, a, Just a couple small, small shows. You know, yeah, not, super not, small shows. That not really, not, really that, not, not very much of a following there. Yeah, got it. No, yeah. So Travis, I saw Travis McElroy and was able to call him over and he talked to us for a little bit and I showed him my uh, Adventure Zone tattoo. If you didn't know, this yep. one right here I, 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 is yep. for the Adventure Zone show. And uh, he, he was super friendly. Uh, he was a little drunk, you could tell. He was kinda, <laughs> his arms were kind of swinging freely around him and he was kind of walking with his with his gut out. It was cute. Uh, we got took a picture with him and, and told him about you know all the podcast stuff that I've started and how they're an inspiration. It was really fun. Nice. Uh other than that, we got to sit in some cool panels. We got to listen to a VO 101. That's voiceover 101 for the uninformed. Um, it was hosted by the voice of The Tick mm. and another guy. And the other guy did a lot of stuff, but mostly audiobooks. So. Wait, uh, the voice of The Tick, the original cartoon? Yes. So that's uh, Putty from Seinfeld, right? Was, uh, was uh, the original yeah. guy? Yeah. Yes. I can't remember the cool. actor's name for the life of me. No, and I was there, and I can't remember his name. Um, it was, like I said, it was an overwhelming week. Uh, but it was overall good. And, like, takeaways, it's kind of hard to pick one. Uh, being there is probably the best way to put it. Uh, and I guess being there in a professional uh No, sorry, that position. was not Putty from the anime, uh, from the cartoon. It was Townsend Coleman. Uh, so I don't know if that was the uh, guy gonna, who hosted. I'm going to look up this guy. Uh and uh, I'll get back to you. All right. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, uh, it wasn't so much a, uh, there's not like one thing you can point to, but there's definitely the fact that we were there uh, in a professional position. Okay. Right. right. And going to actually like talk about our stuff. Uh, that's easily what took the cake. Um, now, outside of Comic-Con, being at the beach and surfing and watching the sunset on uh, Ocean Beach on Monday was, I mean, you can't replace those kinds of things. You can't rep- you can't repeat those kinds of things living in the middle of the country. So it was just a trip full of really cool stuff. Nice. Good food, cool people, fun events. That's yeah. awesome. That is I, uh, I, awesome. I went to Weta Workshop's uh, booth as soon as I got in. And, yes, it was Townsend Coleman. He was definitely the yeah. guy that was there. Um I went to the Weta Workshop booth and bought their giant board game about mechs called Giant Killer Robots. Yeah. It, it, 20 minutes after walking in the door. Nice work. Yeah, they only had a few, and I didn't want to risk them not being there when I, you know, got out. Or, like, not being there when I came back later. Yeah. So I bought it uh, within 20 minutes and carried around, like, a 40-pound board <laughs> game for seven hours the <laughs> first day. Uh which, of course, could have been avoided if I'd realized there was a place to check it, like to check bags. Ah, uh, that's dangerous, though, man. 
I don't, I don't trust those things. Yeah. No, I didn't trust it either, which is why I didn't do it. Yep. Good call. Then, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to Chicago tomorrow. Nice. For a day. And I'm going to bring that back because my buddy Christopher had a big enough bag to send a giant ass board game home. And I did not. There you go. Yeah. You can't, uh, can't carry that on. I take it. No. Well, I mean, probably if I didn't have anything else, but I did. So yeah. no, you know, yeah, just simple stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, yeah, this was a, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's, so I, I, I'm going to re I'm going to ask the question same way, different way though. What was okay. your personal, not necessarily what you saw at the show, did at the show. What was your, and I think, and what I'm trying to get at is to get you to verbalize your rant, uh, on Twitter. Cause it was very poignant. Um, oh, yeah. and I, and I want it, I want you to be able to memorialize, memorialize it in another form. Um, because I, I took away from it, uh, the key thing, which I think was on the first tweet that you put out, was the key thing you took away, and I'll let you say it. Uh, but what sure. I took away from what I took away from what you were saying was just, just fucking do it. Don't sit there and talk about it. Don't plan it. Just go. Just yeah. make. Just go. Yeah. So um, what Eric's referring to, uh, what you're referring to, is a rant I released on the waiting on the tarmac to leave San Diego, and uh, essentially I wrote that. The biggest piece of advice we got from a multitude of people, like everyone, no matter what walk they seemed to come from, was when we asked, how can we improve? How can we get where you are? What can we do to, you know, get at your level and your stature? The response we got was, I don't know, just just do it. And so at once, that's super motivating because it's like, mm -hmm. yo, just do it. There's not like a, a restrictive set of, you know, guidelines to do it. But at the same time, that kind of comes across, at least to me, as like a, mm, I don't know, just do it. And so what I was saying on Twitter was that I think because of the diversity of media platforms, YouTube, Twitch, Mixer, Facebook, Vimeo, you know, all these different ways to get exposure. I think that these guys that are in their 30s and 40s who've been doing this for like 10, 20 years, most of their defined paths have become a little more diluted and so the best advice they could give was like uh, just get exposure um so yeah like i was saying on twitter it, it was motivating to hear but at the same time kind of depressing because it was kind of clear they had no idea <laughs> so yeah um, I, I i what i took away from it and just reading that reading your reading what you said was it's it's interesting and i think it's because i do this out when i'm not on twitch and i'm not being you know hybrid glass and i'm in my daily life uh where i got to put on my my business hat and my tie and look presentable um is you know video and this these mediums that you just called out the twitch the mixers the youtubes and everything else just doing it puts yourself in a position where you're able to actually point to your talent where these guys who started 10 uh, hell, even yeah, ten years ago, they didn't have these mediums, right? Uh, right. They had a they had a they had a a pre web two website um, that would maybe oh, worked, geez. yeah, maybe worked, maybe didn't. Um, they were still you know passing files around. I mean, if you think, and we're I'm not going to get too much into technology, but if you think about file sizes and just the way that storage has increased, you know, they had USB. They had if they were on the USB at the time, even ten years ago. They probably had 50 sticks with them that were all full uh, of right. these high regimen files, high red video files. So it's it's really 
I took that as a as a welcome, not a uh, not as a hey. I took your comments as a okay, cool. We have the tools at our fingertips to go do whatever we want. It's just a matter of figuring out how to use them and reaching the audience that you want to reach. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I, I don't know. I tried, to, I tried to illustrate that it was a little bit of both sides. Yep. Um, yeah, and it, I think the biggest thing, and I, I mentioned it later, is that despite all of this advice to just do it, there was no mention of like, I don't want to say there was no mention. There was very little mention of how like lucky you kind of have to get in these situations. And it's not so much luck as in like you don't get there because you earned it. Mm -hmm. But it's luck as in, like, you make a connection with somebody who knows somebody who gets you somewhere. Mm -hmm. And there was really none of that conversation. Um, but, yeah. But the other, the other thing in the in the tweet I brought up was that I was there partially for my fiction work, but mostly for, you know, for this, for Nerdy Bits, for Bounty Board, for yeah. game journalism. And I knew all of those people were there, and I couldn't find any of them. <laughs> so one of the things I said was, like, it felt like being the new guy at an office party. Like, I was surrounded by people that, like, I I know someday I'll get to know, but, like, I couldn't find them, and I couldn't get any conversations started. So it was a little bit of a bummer because I just, you know, I just walked around looking for anybody with a microphone that had an IGN on it so I could wait and then be like, hey, what's up? Here's my card. Uh, you know, it, yeah. Well, rambling. next year. Yes, you'll have. And the, that's the biggest takeaway, I guess. You'll next, have. The, I know next year what to do. You'll have the House of Glass hype train with you, in person. Yeah. So yes. we'll we'll uh, we'll make it happen. You know what's funny is the last day someone recognized me from St. Louis, and as the guy who runs Nerdy Bits, and he and his wife were hosting panels at Comic Con, and he was like, "I wish you'd let me know you were here sooner. I would have gotten you into stuff." Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So. At the very least, I know now to talk to this guy all year until we go back. There you go. Maybe work my work our way into some stuff. Yeah, awesome, dude. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Games. Games. Yes. Bounty slow, board. Let's slow, do it. Slow week. Slow news week. Uh, it's slow and big at the same time. So I've got a couple of news stories that I won't even really read the, the, uh, like the the article, just the mm -hmm. headline. Um, like Hellblade, Hellblade, which I actually just showed my grandmother, Senua's Sacrifice, uh, come, it's coming to VR July 31st, um, so it'll be for Oculus Rift and HTC. Don't get your hopes up, PlayStation, it's not coming to PSVR. When's it coming to Game Pass? <laughs> Is it already on PSVR? Um, I think it... No, it's, it's not on Game Pass. No, it's not on it's Game like Pass. It's like $17 right now. I got no money. I would man. imagine it'll fall into Game Pass soon. We got, we got to get this shit hyped up so I can... Get get all the get all the dollars. Yeah, yes, all of the dollars. All you people watching, um, empty your wallets, please. This is a stick up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's that. Uh, Steve rolled out. Steve, Steve, don't you get like buying your games during the Steve summer sale? Yes. Steam uh, rolled out a new chat update that mm -hmm. a lot of people are pleased with so far. It's Steam, I'm not because so. I haven't figured out how to stop it from popping up right when i turn my pc on um which annoys the shit out of me um, that's awesome because as much as i play computer games i play xbox more and i don't really i mean i've got friends on steam but i you know i play yeah, with you no, and I, a couple other I guys on xbox still more than anything yeah i don't i don't even know how steam's like party and chat system works so 
Yeah, yeah, it works uh, great. You see your friends online, and then you join whatever Discord Discord server that you're exactly, both all together yeah. and hop in a chat shit. Oh. <laughs> you just got a third party. Um, uh, as many people know, No Man's Sky's big next update came out for PlayStation owners, and came out. The game came out all together on Xbox mm-hmm. and PC. So a bunch of us are diving into that and having a jolly good time. I loved the game when it first came out. Now that I can share it with my friends, it's great. Yep. Um, did you play any No Man's Sky? You don't have a PS4, do you? No, I don't. And um, it, I'm not saying it doesn't look amazing. I just, you, I think you know me well enough to know that that is not my type of game. Um, yeah. Any yeah. game, grindy, any survival. Yeah, anywhere the thing there's that grindy or survive, and it's not the, so much the survival elements. Because, and we'll jump into that in just a second. Um, because I've been playing a little bit of that, and I don't know if you've seen it on the Xbox Insider Hub. Uh, this game called Vigor. Uh, that there is a uh, a, a, oh. be- a beta, and it is very much a battle royale. Uh, 20, <laughs> 20 people on the map at a time. It the whole premise of the game is the Cold War actually escalated, and the world got eradicated. Um, oh, so right. you you are in Norway, uh, and you spawn into the map, and the whole objective is just get materials to take back to your supply, so you're more powerful the next time you go into a map. Um, hmm. And then the uh, the circle uh is a uh, eventually on the map an arrow will appear showing you which direction the radiation is coming from uh and then you have to uh, get it but the main goal is is there's kind of a circle uh highlighted on the map on where the 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 super loot is going to drop and you got to go get that and then once you pick that up you're kind of highlighted every you know minute on the map as to your position so it's a risk versus reward thing but it's uh it's super fun. It's a little bit slower paced than PUBG and Fortnite and those type of battle royales. It's a it's an interesting twist on it. Going back to our podcast a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Things tie into each other. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, and uh, this isn't it's not going to tie in perfectly to what we're going to talk about, but it is interesting um, because we talked about this stuff in the last couple of weeks. But Psionics published uh, Rocket League's loot crate percentages. Did you see this? I didn't. Yeah, so they published their loot crate percentages, and uh, from their blog, I'll just read through the percentages real quick, just to kind of give you an idea. Um, you get rare items 55% of the time you open it up, which makes sense. I always get shitty blue stuff. You get very rare 28%, import item 12%, exotic items 4%, and black market items 1%. All right. So that's, uh, I mean, it's not super interesting for people that don't really care about metrics, but uh, in terms of the entire loot crate, loot box situation, this is kind of along the same path as other things. But at the same time, it's not like PUBG, which I don't know if you remember reading those percentages. Yeah. But like getting a high value item was like a one in like hundreds of thousands yeah, it's, chance. It, it's awful. Yeah. And like 1% isn't great, but that's one in a hundred. Yep. And that's significantly better. And I can attest I've gotten several black market items. So the game is at least better at rewarding you. And we have that uh, pass, that uh, bat, not battle, but the Rocket League pass coming yeah. out soon so we can get even more stuff. Yeah. Oh, hey, that was another thing about Comic-Con. So I completely forgot about the after show stuff, but the first night at Comic-Con, we went to Rocket League's third birthday party mm-hmm. at Petco Park, which was hosted by the guys at Kind of Funny Games Daily. Shout out to game podcasts. Those guys are awesome. And I got to meet them. And then the line got cut off like right before I got to them because Greg Miller was hosting the actual event. So he had to go over and like announce the next thing. So while we waited for that, 
we walked over to another location and I made them sit at the table that Ben and Christopher were sitting at because they couldn't find one. So I got <laughs> to sit next to them for like the rest of their signing as soon as Greg came back. Um, that was super, super dope. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Greg seems yeah. like a dope guy. A dope guy. A dope guy. <laughs> I don't I don't know what happened but, there. I don't know either. But we got uh they gave out t-shirts and posters and pins for that event. We wore those t-shirts to the Adventure Zone event we went to that night. And on the way out, this dude was like, "Hey, dope shirts." And we were like, "Thanks. We love this game." And he was like, "Thanks. I work on it." Oh, snap. And I was like, "What?" So we <laughs> met the like lead one of the lead sound designers for like all the goal explosions and celebrations oh, nice. and stuff like that. Yeah, and so like he, I followed him on Twitter, and he followed us back, and we tried to ask him some questions to get him in trouble, and he was like, "I can't answer that," <laughs> um, specifically about the release of these loot crates and when or the battle pass equivalent. Uh, but he was like, "Soon, like in the next three months." Mm-hmm. That was all I could say. Nice. Um, but yeah, that was cool. So moving on, moving. Oh, do we want to talk about uh, James Gunn? Uh I mean. It's a, it's a, yeah, we, we give can't, me, give me your hot take. We give me your hot take. My, my hot take on it is it sets a very what dangerous he, precedent. It's a very dangerous precedent, right? Because yeah. I mean, it, granted, I was, I'm not, you know, you can scour my social media history and there's nothing there that, uh, you know, I'm trying to hide, but you know, it's just, it's, it's a precedent of, you know, holding people accountable for things they said, you know, 10 years is a long time and a lot of maturing. If I think back to the dumb shit, I mean, I'm 36 if uh, or 37, Christ. If I think back yeah. to all the dumb shit I said before I had a child, uh, yeah. you know, I would be kicked to the curb um, and, and punched in the back of the head walking down the street. Um, I mean, I've played games with you for like six yeah. years and there was shit we used to say playing Bad Company too that we don't anymore. Yeah, it just, it's, I think it's a matter of maturity and I think people are taking things out of context for the time uh, in which they happen. I, I think it was a boneheaded knee-jerk reaction for Disney to do what sure. they did. However, I feel like that was a smoking gun and maybe there's something we or not seeing in the public eye, uh, there were some troubles or turmoils or creative differences, and they just used that as the scapegoat. Um, but I can't yeah, see. I can't. I've heard that. Yeah, I can't see that there. I can't see that there were, given that the first two Guardians were, I mean, just phenomenal. And I don't know how the third one is going to be without James Gunn at the helm because well, he is such an avid Guardians yeah. fan. And he was, like, supposed to helm up the whole space side of the MCU. Mm-hmm. So when they decided to work in, you know, Adam Warlock and yep. Nova and all that stuff, like, yeah. that was supposed to be his end of things. And because of that, and like I have heard the theory that, like, maybe something else is going on, but his response brought up nothing else. Uh, and his response is super good on Twitter. If you yeah, haven't looked, look up his response, like... It's weird, man. It doesn't make any sense. And the guy that like tried to blow him up, or the guy that I guess did blow him up and get him fired, is a much worse. Oh, he's a, he's actively a, he's a, worse person. He's a, he's a, he's 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 a walking waste of space. 
Yeah. Um, like it, all the shit he said, all the shit that this guy who turned him in said, he says now yeah, and believes it, in. Yeah, he is. And this is shit that James Gunn said 10 years ago. Yeah, he is. He's just the, the guy that turned him in. And I don't want to give him, you know, we're already giving him too much credit by even talking about it. We haven't said his name yet. Yeah, so but, good. um, you know, if you're that interested, you can go look it up. But the, I mean, it's he is the definition of a troll. Uh, he yeah. did it because he is just unhappy with his life um, and said, I can get five minutes of Internet fame because I found something that I can, you know, pull the trigger on and destroy somebody. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to momentarily feel better about myself. And it's just gross. Just it's just gross. Yeah, it's awful. And I don't. Ah, man. Yeah, it's. But for our topic. Um, we are just moving into that. Sorry, this is an, um, a very disgra- uh, disgraceful. It's not a very graceful dismount, is what I was going to say, uh, as I wave my hand in front of the camera. Um, but being that we've talked about multiplayer versus single player games and how single player games can evolve and Battle Royale and all of those things, I thought it was logical that we kind of sum up this, I guess you could call it a trilogy of uh episodes about you know games and how they're developing we could wrap it up with a conversation about live service games Mm -hmm. and uh a point that i want to get to eventually we don't have to start with it or we could how the existence of these games has allowed games to get second chances Mm -hmm. which is something that for instance we brought up in the news no man's sky came out and it didn't really come out right it came out two years ago in 2016 and there was it had a really mixed response of the developer or of the game journalists who kind of understood what hype was and knew what was happening most of them enjoyed it a lot mm-hmm. among fan amongst fans who were aboard the hype train sometimes st- steering the hype train they were very disappointed because Dangerous. they didn't see what they thought they were going to get and so 2 years later 4 updates later we get a no man's sky on xbox and pc that is the same game at its base, but has had so much stuff added to it. It's basically a different, it's like a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess the conversation I wanted to have, and we're going to have, is kind of going to revolve around that. Like how have games adapted so that things like that can happen? Um. <laughs> oh, I was going to talk, and then I was like going to die um, all simultaneously. So it's an interesting question. It goes back to that article that we talked about last week um, about Ubisoft's whole initiative where universes can fit fit together, right? I don't. I think that live service sure. games are now starting to see that, and I think um, this kind of uh, this puts a nice bow tie on the last series of conversations that we've had before we you know go into you know the topics uh, that are coming up is. I see like games are going in a direction of live service. They're all going to be eventually these worlds that yeah. you choose to play in. And, you know, you think about when I think about live service, you, you think about MMOs, right? Which have been doing this for years now, right? Um, War yeah, Warcraft. starting with, you know, Warcraft yeah. years back in the but even, early 2000s. Yeah, but even before that, right, um, you have uh, even before that, you've got uh, Ultima and you've got Lineage. Uh, and you've got these, uh, you know, you've got these other games, and then even Diablo, right? To an extent, once Diablo three came out, was a live yeah. service game to an extent where there's the always updating and always, always driving new content. And you think about 
uh, I'm just, you know, because I'm a huge Diablo fan. Um, when did seasons come out for Diablo? Like in terms of like the release date to seasons coming out? Was it like uh, four years? Yeah, on the console, it was much longer because they had they were worried about the item duping and stuff like that that you could do. Um, they, had to fig- they had to figure right. out a way around that because console the console version didn't require uh, you could play it offline. Um, yeah, it didn't require an internet connection, so you could right. earn something and then turn off your system real quick before yep. it saved. And... Exactly. Um, so it can't. I, I know how to do that, guys. Yep. I've cheated before. Um, <laughs> but I think in terms of Diablo, right? It was it was soon after they lo- they revamped the loot system because if you remember, there was a lot of terrible press around Diablo three and the loot system when it originally came out. And then Blizzard went sure. back to the went back to the drawing board, and I think they did something uh, in the theme of tonight's you know episode is they gave the game a second chance and gave it some new legs by saying, okay, we're going to give you guys what you want, huge numbers, lots of loot. Uh, it doesn't matter if the loot's the same loot over again. I don't think anybody cares. Um, it's that type of thing, and I think there's a balance in live service games um, that you have to do that right because you're teetering on that edge of in a live service game, am I playing just for the loot? Am I playing for these store, these episodic story content? Um, right. Or am I playing for, um, uh, you know, am I playing just as a way to experience, like with the No Man's Sky uh, update, am I playing to experience content with friends uh, that I might have experienced before? Yeah, and I think the idea of being able to, you know, experience something with a new group of uh, is what's, I don't know, you know, with like games releasing more and more stuff, most of the time behind a paywall, you run into, um, what's the word that they use all the time? Um, like community fracture. Yeah. Like fracturing off the community into people that are willing to pay and people that can't pay and things like that. Um, so yeah, games like No Man's Sky or uh, Diablo introducing these things that don't cost money yep. and being able to, you know, like I had friends that played No Man's Sky when it first came out and they didn't like it. And now I can be like, hey, remember that game you played once and didn't like? Come back to it. There's a lot of shit on it. Yeah. Uh that you might like. Uh and that's interesting to me. Um I keep saying, um, sorry. So there's I mean, Sea of Thieves is doing the same thing, which I know you haven't played much of Sea of Thieves, because like No Man's Sky, it's not really your cup of tea, which is completely understandable. There are a bunch of things that are doing this though. And so You've mentioned a couple times that you think this is where games are going to go, and and we've talked about you know single player adapting to include you know multiple mm-hmm. worlds and and what all the possibilities we might get out of that. In terms of giving games chances to come back, do you think things like No Man's Sky are going to happen more often? Because I know we've talked at least a little, at least briefly, about how. For Honor came out and was really pay to win and kind of died off and now it's coming back. And Rainbow Six Siege came out and had like no content. And then over time they added stuff and now Rainbow Six Siege is one of like the biggest competitive shooters that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not strictly a Ubisoft problem because I'm going to bring up The Division as well because The Division did the same thing. <laughs> but uh it's interesting to me that it affords second chances. Do you think that that's something that will be more common as we move to like a, a 
game preview or early access mode of gameplay for big multiplayer games or do you think these are kind of flukes yeah so no i don't i don't i by no means do i think it's a fluke i think it's we're starting to see a trend and as we start to see and i've mentioned it a little before as we start to see the more of the commoditization of the consoles right and more of a shift to the cloud right we're going to get to the point where the hardware in your house is not relevant anymore. As bandwidth continues to increase, as internet speeds continue to get better for everybody, the hardware yeah. is not going to matter. It's literally going to be just an access point um, for... Yeah, Xbox talking about streaming on yeah, any that, device. That goes back like to that. what was said at E3 where, you know, yeah, Xbox, Sony's got an, Sony has an initiative uh, to do it. Steam has been talking about it for years. Um, and I think right now we're just waiting for that leap of technology to get to the point where those speeds are there uh, and they sure. become accessible. Uh, and I've said it before. I think the next generation of consoles is going to be the last true generation of consoles before we see this shift of yeah. these services. Yeah, Eve GMO said that. Eve yeah. GMO said that after yep. E3, didn't he? Yep. That, yeah. like, next gen is it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just that makes a, sense. I think that's just the uh, the convergence of you know the technologies right is 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 you get to the point where graphic fidelity can only get so so much better right once you're at eight k yeah you're only a stone throw away from what the visual acuity of the eye is um, yeah and after that you get to the point where you're like kind of freaking people out yeah. But you've seen it time and time again, right? And I, I, it was funny because I was actually having this conversation at work the other day because um, somebody asked me about what I played, and then they said, um, "They said, uh, you know, wh- why do you play games with shitty graphics?" And I was like, "Look, guys," uh, and I was actually drawing an analogy for a client project. I was like, "Look, the graphics can be forgiven as long as the experience is memorable. I have no problem playing." A retro yeah. game, as long as it's—I mean, how much? What was that Tokyo? Was it? Uh, what was that Tokyo two forty two or Tokyo forty two? Whatever that game was. Uh, you know. The, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tokyo forty two. Yeah, that game how, was awesome. That game was phenomenal, and the graphics were arguably. Man, I completely forgot ab- about abysmal. that game. Abysmal. We had—I mean, we played that game for just one on one for hours one night. Um, oh yeah, it was pixely it, as hell, and yeah. and and. But it was it had nothing to do with the fidelity and everything to do with the style. Yeah, um, and I think and I, I think uh, uh, Elysium. I think I said that right. Um, you'll probably be able to announce that one better, Caleb. Um, yeah, at Elysium. At Elysium. There we go. Um, uh, then it's all VR. I think that is a uh, what's up, Mister Sodium. Uh, I think that's exactly where things are going, and with, I think the live service games are the precursor to that. Right? Um, they are. Yeah. They are going to be, we're going to see these services where these worlds are built, these universes are created, much like Warcraft. Those are going to be a much easier transition over to versus something like, not that in Horizon Zero Dawn may be a really bad example, but that is a very solitary experience. Um, yeah, it's a where, very isolated. Where, where you're going to be able to go, but the point I'm making is, is once you start getting to the point where VR is the acceptable medium and that is the norm, could, I couldn't imagine logging to that world and just getting lost in it for hours on end and then continually adding sure. that content. And I think we're seeing it too. Um, 
yeah, or yeah, run a shop exactly like uh, just like that they brought that up in Ready Player One, right? Where um, uh, H. Oh man, H is yeah. one of the top modders, uh, and I think going back to your point about uh, the preview programs, we're going to see a lot more preview programs, early release, early access. Right, it's a way for developers to kind of democratize uh, the development of their game, um, for better or yeah. worse. Um, it, you know, in the case of like something like Star Citizen, which is still not out Oof. as, as yeah. far as I know. Um, no, it's not. But they trust every... me that will be that'll be a day like the the announcement of Half Life Three. Like the world yeah. will stop for a minute just to 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 read. But every time they they they've built a, a quote unquote live service game where every time they put a new stretch goal up it's met in a matter of minutes and not just met but destroyed um so i think it's a way for developers to say hey guys what do you want to see next how do you want us to develop this game uh to play it Uh, and i think we're seeing it more and more and people are going to start reaping the benefits of it not to mention we've done really good to not say Fortnite up until this point but just like epic (laughs) uh yeah sorry but just like epic has done over the last uh, over the last year, uh, with specifically Fortnite Battle Royale, not the yeah. other Fortnite. Now, do you think that? Um, and I don't know why I'm taking the position of the interviewer and you, the interviewee, but we'll it works. It. I'm, I'm good. Do you do you think that early access would have worked for the games that I brought up? An example like For Honor and Rainbow Six and The Division, or do you think that it would have? <sighs> kept them from being able to develop because like games like rainbow six were just bad initially like the 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 gunplay mechanics and and the core of the game was always good right but like it wasn't as good as destiny you know because destiny we had we have issue with the lack of content there um on the initial releases but the game is so snappy and smooth to play that we can come back to it and it reminds us of you know halo 2 halo 3 halo reach days where everything was just Boom, 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 boom. But do you think that people would have stuck around in an early access version of that game? Um, I, I it's it's tough to tell, right? Because you know you know my stance on Ubisoft. Everything they release is early access. Um, that you're paying sixty dollars for. Um, Assassin's Creed Origins was yeah, amazing. Yeah, sorry. It, assassin's creed games that when they have honed. everything everything they release multiplayer is but even even the very first assassin's creed was kind of like all right guys we're testing the waters of something new oh um, yeah and you know then, it's supposed to be a trilogy right right uh and now it's <laughs> now there's like 15 yeah it's uh it's crazy but i think it's it, you, the game and it has to be bel- baked into your development cycle right i think there are games that can benefit from it um, like yeah. that, like that, uh, vigor game that I mentioned a little bit earlier, right? That game is, it's very rough around the edges. Um, yeah. you, you can tell there's some obvious network, uh, there's some obvious network issues. Um, you know, there was an instance, uh, much like what happens in PUBG all the time is I'm not even around the wall yet. And the, the guy's already got me to one shot, um, because on his screen, I'm already around the wall, um, yeah. uh, or vice versa. Um, yeah, that's so I, great, right? Yeah, so I think in those instances, it it benefits the developer to be able to tweak and hone. But then you get into the thing of you get into a weird financial territory of okay, this is working, this is working, this is working. Nope, it's not. I'm abandoning ship. Sorry, guys, this yeah. game's never coming out. Thanks for 
thanks for giving us your $30. We did the best we could and, and we're out of yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. And see, there's not many of those stories, at least on Xbox game preview, like everything that gets on game preview seems to eventually come out. Uh, I know that Sergeant Sodium and I have been big fans of a game called Astroneer. Mm-hmm. Astroneer is really fun and it was really broken and we would, I guess, yeah, I guess that's, I mean, the logical step is if you, if, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm, I'm assuming that the gamers by and large and this don't hate me for saying this people in the chat or you, Eric, I think you might agree, but I think, I think I'm afraid that gamers by and large aren't patient enough to see the good bones in a project and understand that like you can wait until the next update comes out and then jump back into it and see what's changed. And then if you don't like it, wait and come back. That, I, th- I think that environment of like investment in games is new. And I, I, don't, I don't yeah. think it's going away and I don't think it's bad, but I'm, I guess I'm just afraid that a lot of gamers are too impatient to wait for that. No. And I think that is the, that's the reactionary mob rule mentality of the internet, right? Is you get one very vocal influencer who has a huge following that says this game sucks. Now all yeah. of a sudden their 30,000 viewers tell another, you know, two of their friends, right? Now all of a sudden you're up to 90,000 people who want nothing to do with this game. And then, you know, it gets exponential um, yeah. from, from, from that point. I think for smaller publishers is, uh, I completely agree that it's, it's a great thing, right? Because they can then, spend time and they're much more agile uh in their development cycles than somebody like a you know an ea or a ubisoft where i don't think it necessarily benefits them um i don't think it necessarily benefits them because they've got the resources to throw at it right so they can do the testing they can go hire the third-party teams to go do the testing and get it done before that Um, yeah so so i think it's really something that we're just going to see baked into development cycles more and more and more like we happy few um uh man we, that game came out that game it's completely different than what it's going to release it right and i think that's a huge benefit because it came out in the original game preview and it was it was not good it was terrible um so they were able to rework it take it back to the drawing board and now i'm excited to play it with what i saw at e3 um and i will definitely on august 20th be you know i'll be that and i will be weirdly creeping the shit out of myself in a kind of uh equilibrium style world yeah equilibrium meets bioshock um ryan just brought up in the chat that the problem with games like astroneer or games in game preview is that because they're constantly working on the game when they update it nothing you've worked on for so long works anymore or in some cases even exists um and that's a good point i think that it's going to be about finding that balance, right? Because we're playing games like PUBG, which Vigor is in that family, right? Um, and when those games update, maybe you learn a few new controls. Maybe there's a few new weapons. But in games like Astroneer or like in No Man's Sky, the fear is that, yeah, and that game's going to update and either something that you used to use isn't going to work anymore or something that you used to, something that you built is not going to be there because you know updates are are kind of dangerous things to roll out in a in a in a lived in world, right? Um, yeah. So I think and the interesting thing there is is if you think about a No Man's Sky, right, which has no PvP element in, it, does it? Oh uh, no, you can attack. 
Uh, you can attack other other players you come across. Okay, so there, there's a, but there's it's not, not like a PvP mode. Right. There's but no. It's but... kind of like Fallout seventy six. You can trust or not trust people. Okay. Um. So my point there is, is there's not a huge balancing issue, right? Where if you think right. about, you know, and I'm going to use, I'm going to go use MOBA. I'm going to use any MOBA as an example, right? When you roll out an update and you introduce a new god uh, or a new uh, a new uh, champion, uh, pick your MOBA, right? I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Smite because yeah. I have the, the most Smite. experience yep. with that. So when you, when you roll out a new God, most of the time when that God first comes out, it is either completely overpowered or it is completely underpowered to the point where it just doesn't get used because yeah. they can test it ever all the ways from Sunday, uh, all the ways from Sunday. So what? Um, it sounded weird. Uh, as I said, <laughs> yeah. it, uh, seven ways from Sunday. There we go. Um, but they're never going to get all of the data that they get in the wild. And you see usually very quickly, two to three weeks after a new God comes out an adjustment to their abilities. Uh, I remember when I was playing, when I was really active in smite and Zing 10 just came out, who is a, uh, a giant, uh, tank, um, from the Chinese pantheon. You, You just, you could not be stopped. Uh, once you got a couple pieces of gear, uh, you would hit his one skill and then hit his two skill, and then most gods were just dead. And this is a somebody that's supposed to keep the damage dealers alive, and you're just crushing everyone. Um, Oops. Yeah. So that was the thing. And then for the longest time, they had to tweak one of their mo- one of their you know most fun to play gods, Bologna, um, because her her skill set just brought too much utility uh, to the battlefield. Yeah. So I think. In games where you have a heavy component like that, where you've got lots of different systems that you have to worry about, this benefits a lot. Um, yeah, and I think that like player patience is kind of cooked in, right? Yeah. When you're playing a multiplayer game and you're expecting new stuff to come out and it's all about balance. Like if you're playing a game like Overwatch or a MOBA, players that enjoy that game are like into the meta. And that's mm-hmm. deeper than most Call of Duty players, right? I've never heard a conversation on the street of people talking about like the damage per bullet and rounds per second of <laughs> Call of Duty guns. Not yet. But I've played Overwatch and I've walked by people at cons talking about Overwatch, talking about like uh, they're changing Symmetra's uh, beam gun to do this much damage at this range and only allow you to contact from this far away and not through wall. Like the involvement is so deep that I think multiplayer games just kind of by default have player patience cooked into them man i said multiplayer games and it's not across the board multiplayer games like this champion based games or i guess hero based games or mobas they attract i guess a more concentrated community that understands Mm -hmm. how things work yeah and i think it'll be essential for games to instill that environment maybe not as deep but at least across as many um demographics as possible well i think i don't think single player has that yet no and i think also it's a it's a cultural shift in gaming right because you've got to remember that we are in the infancy i mean very much the infancy of live service games right so if you think you you think back it kind of started with destiny right you've got you know uh at least on console at least on console right you've got 30 years uh, and even multiplayer games to the extent, right? We didn't Xbox Live before Xbox 360, like on the original Xbox, if you think back to it, it was cool. It worked. Then Halo 2 came out, right? Yeah. 
Uh, they kind of had to rebuild it. Yeah, and then they had to rethink the way it worked. And thank goodness for Max Hoberman and his, you know, his brilliant mind. Yeah. Um, uh, shout out to Certain Affinity, um, but uh, that's his studio here in here in town. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but uh, you know, and that reworked the way we think about multiplayer gaming, not in just console gaming but across the board with the matchmaking systems and the skill-based matching right because I, i'll remember that you know if i had to play uh halo 2 um with some of the guys that i would get thrown in with early until my rank got put there i would have stopped playing because i couldn't even get it and not that i was terrible but i wasn't you know pro player level um, no and yeah that you that's a good point because that and that created the or i guess the uh words the idea of like balancing during matchmaking became because of that right Mm -hmm. because you know halo 2 would just dump you in with anybody and then they were like oh some people are way better at this and other people are new or they're just not as good so then it would like i I hope you are leading this way i kind of interrupted you no you're right um but yeah, the development of like smart matchmaking and finding players on your skill level and then throwing you together so that like you don't get trounced or you don't trounce other people as often. Um, I think that's something that games have really come, you know, into their own in figuring out how to do and made multiplayer all the more appealing. Right. And I think, you know, talking, you know, to Elysium's point here, you know, mainstream shooters and things like Fortnite, they don't have a balance, right? They don't have a high skill ceiling like MOBAs have a, a super high and low um, but you're going to see more and more in I think live service games particularly and as more games move online you're going to start seeing that high and low skill gap kind of come you know it's it's a bell curve right you're going to see the populace of any game is going to be in the center of that bell curve versus yeah. your extremely bad players um, are going to be on the low end and your extremely high uh, your extremely good players will be high end of that bell curve uh, and it's up to the developers. And I think that gives, going back to our comment about early access and things like that, that lo- finding that early in a development cycle and being able to balance your game, uh, I think that's an advantage some live service games have. Um, I think it's interesting because I've been wanting to reinstall the division and go back and check it out because of the changes that they've made. Also, they've yeah. got this dope thing in there right now where they've got certain challenges and things like that that you, will allow you to unlock a bunch yeah, of it gets you stuff, shields and stuff for uh, Division, in two. Division two. Um, yeah, but I think there's a lot of content that I didn't explore in that one just because I, you know nobody was playing it, uh, and it got to the point where um, man, our friends gave up so quick. Yeah, and it got to the point where the only thing left to do was the dark zone, and that was just a clusterfuck of was, no, of was, no funness. Yeah, yeah, no, and and what to talk. Even more to what Adelisium just said, uh, uh, he brought up that MOBAs demand a certain kind of patience because the floor and ceiling are both high, mm-hmm. which, yeah, low-level players understand that game more than low-level players of Call of Duty, right? right. Like, if you're even, like, if you're a consistent low-level player, I guess, because I was a low-level player for, like, the two hours I played, and I wasn't at that higher level of low that that game demanded, and I... Man, I was so bad, and I deleted it. I uninstalled the game almost immediately. Yep. Um, but I guess the goal 
in creating a live service game is to, and I think Titanfall 1 tried to do this um, with their smart pistol, but it's to eliminate the low player, not from playing the game, but to eliminate that position on the totem pole and to bring all players to like a medium level. And I think, well, I don't even know if that's possible, right? It seems dangerous because if you're, if you're babying, you don't want to be, you know, deemed as babying players, right? Which a lot of, a lot of hardcore gamers are going to be like, yo, they're bad. Let them be bad. So they play something else. Um, yeah, I guess that balancing game is just weird to me because it's going to be, it's going to either alienate the people who are going to be hardcore and in your game, or it's going to not attract people that don't really care. And I, I think for the longest time, game studios haven't really cared about people who don't care. Yeah, and I think there. I I think from you know looking at it from a marketer standpoint, you're not going to be able to reach the audience. You know what what is the audience you're trying to target? Is your game a high skill base game like a MOBA? Um, you know, I remember when uh, Smite first came out. It uh, you know its main sticking point against League uh, and Dota is that it had a lower skill cap because of the way the camera was positioned. Right, it's a much more familiar. Uh, it's a much more familiar sure. position and it gave you a much more action oriented sense of combat where uh, the main reason I totally like league. I totally like Dota. I don't play those because I can't stand fucking clicking my mouse 700,000 times uh, <laughs> to do something. But with smite, whether you're using a controller or mouse and keyboard, depending on where you're playing that game, you get, uh, I get a much more action oriented sense of gameplay, which, you know, going back to my, you know, Yep. earlier in the conversation you know that's why i try and steer away from games like uh, and not that i don't appreciate no man's sky not that i don't appreciate sea of thieves i just don't the the, the endless hours of kind of just hanging out and chilling no i turn on games every night for I a challenge yeah for a challenge i want to get into it i like that twitch you know competitiveness i don't necessarily yeah. want to uh you know if there was a if there, if there was a megalodon to fight every 50 feet in Sea of Thieves, I'd probably be, I'd probably be more better. I'd probably be okay with it. Yeah, and I mean, maybe Sea of Thieves is becoming that because uh, they've got a cursed sales update coming out soon that mm -hmm. introduces like AI-controlled ships that you have to fight. And suddenly, I think that game is going to quickly become something I wanted out of the initial game. Yeah. Um, but I think that's yeah, that's an interesting yeah. point, right? And that's what we're kind of getting at through this whole conversation: is live service games have the ability to do that. Uh, go back to Rainbow Six, right? Rainbow Six came out. It was devoid. Uh, you had a couple maps. You had a couple operators. And then they went back. They reworked. They rebalanced, added some new maps. And now the only thing they could do better to improve that game is make it free to play. Uh, give all the people that have yeah. bought into it all these loot crates and something to benefit from you know that they're invested you know you can buy a hero pack yeah. like smite when right when it came out on L uh, xbox i immediately because i loved the uh, early i was in the alpha um on xbox i loved it so much i immediately bought the founders pack and it was probably and even when i turn on smite even as i rarely do these days i still always have new content because of that initial 30 dollar investment um i think yeah. bethesda did that uh did that phenomenally when they moved, uh, and I know this is more of an MMO, but if you think about, I don't necessarily think of Elder Scrolls Online as an MMO. I think of it as a live service game, right? Because uh, it is very still much a single player experience where you yeah. can team up with your friends to do the group content. 
but it's 100% free to play. Um, and then you can choose what... Er- oh, what- it's, it's, I don't think Elder Scrolls Online is, though. Is it not? I, don't, I think you have to buy in. Oh, is it? Oh, I thought it was... It's free to play for Game Pass, guys, now, because it's on Game Pass. But- oh, maybe I got it on Games for Gold. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe Initially, that game did cost money, but I think you're right. Like, I think there is a free-to-play version of it, though. There might be now. Oh, it's no, sorry. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm not thinking of Elder Scrolls. I'm thinking of Star Wars, uh, SWOTOR, um, oh, which, yeah. which was originally that, and then that game has seen a resurgence since it's there because it is a very much, it's a Bioware game. It's a story. Uh, Bethesda, Bioware, tomato, tomato. Um it is very it is very much a story driven uh and super deep narrative in the Star Wars universe that you can play through sure. and you can get yeah. your I mean you can get 30 40 hours of content out of that game uh without ever having to put a, a dime into it. Yeah, and that's why I don't like what Destiny's doing with fracturing its story over several paid DLCs because well, man, ugh, we we don't have to get into it, but I I have a serious issue with buying a dlc for 15 20 bucks and finishing the story in two hours right like what no that's stupid um to transition the conversation just a little bit because this is all (coughs) sorry this is all stuff that like we haven't spoken about already but it's along the same lines of you know multiplayer and single player figuring out how to survive with each other how do you think live service works in single player because we've brought that up a couple of times and kind of theorized but um adelisian brought up a few minutes ago and i wanted to go back into it more my comments about being able to just run a shop in a game and you've got games like eve online right that game came out years ago and it's like entire staying power is a community that has essentially created an entire world so how does user-generated content or how do you think user-generated content will contribute to games being able to be live service like in my opinion i think being able to play a single-player game like no man's sky and create a trading post and create uh, you know, a farm and hire people to work at the farm and then create like a freight empire then so that you have freighters going back and forth. And then that giving players outside of my group the ability to find that and attack it and giving me the ability to find players to, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, escort. Like that seems like what I want from games, but something that I don't think developers have noticed well i think that cuts a little too close right to you know there are there's definitely an audience for that right and i think that i think games like conan exiles and arc and you know this more survival build um there's another there's a there's a space one that's coming out outpost 42 i think it's called um those games appeal to an audience that want to dedicate time and build resources and things like that. I think we're eventually going to get there. The The issue that I have with that from, and it's not, it's not an issue. It's just a preference and play style is I want, when I turn on my computer, or I turn on my console. I don't want to have to log on and then go out to the barn, get the chicken eggs, go milk the cows, go get the Fox out of the hen house, go back sure. and make the bed, fortify the defenses I want to get on, 
uh, I want to get on it and I want to say, okay, great. But to your point, those two worlds blend when you give a, when a live service game comes out that combines those two, because there are going to be games where farmer Caleb needs to hire the lonely drifter that's coming through town, hybrid glass to defend his yeah. farm from the sure. dicks uh, out there that are just going to, that are just going to troll, you just know, floating dicks or the, or the super salty people. Um, you know, that are, uh, you Floating know, salty dicks. well, yeah, Whoa, that's a, that's a mental image. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that's where the progression is going, right. Of these live service games, because there are going to be the people who enjoy the Stardew Valleys, the animal crossings, and they want to do that the more, um, and what was it, uh, was it, what was the game? Was it planet side that mixed with Eve? Um, no, it was called. Oh man. But what was, was it? I don't remember, but there that was a that was a good that's a good example of trying to blend these two worlds where you have these orbital drop ships that are dropping people into um Dust. Dust. Yeah. Dust five one four yep. took place it's, in the in the Eve online universe. Right. And there was a there was there was talk or whether it was implemented or not of the, the Eve players being able to launch orbital strikes for somebody in that and then, multi- like, dust players being able to like carry them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it becomes a balance of that is finding your audience and you're a lot of MMOs are doing that these days. There's a game called arc age, um, that's free to play that has a very big, like kind of farming and crafting element. And you could go and in between running dungeons and stuff like that, you can have a house and it's got farm on it you can grow materials and you can get stuff like that. Um, yeah. I think, uh, and then even going back to like Minecraft a little bit, right? It's not live service. It still gives you kind of that. If you want to just go adventure, you can absolutely go adventure in some of the modes that they put into that game. Um, but you can also just sit back and build, you know, I mean, some of the things people build in that game are still to this day. I just look at it and go, where did you find yeah. the time? Man, it's insane. <laughs> and I think at least him, uh, again, commenting, saying he would mine, he, that they, would mine uh, rune essence for hours in RuneScape. Maybe that's the eliminating the, the the bottom demographic as being useless, right? If like I know that Sergeant Sodium, who's also in chat, I know his wife likes to play Zoo Tycoon, right? Right. And I know my wife likes to play uh, Crash Team Racing or whatever. And and you know when it comes to games becoming more livable and having more UGC in it, um, user-generated content in it, you start to open up paths for people that don't want to take part in large, hardcore-style gaming, right? People that don't want to be in a first-person shooter and would rather just run, uh, be a business tycoon or people that want to run a zoo or people that want to be a racer and maybe those those racers are in the universe and you can watch them play when they get on or something like that that eliminates the ability or not the ability but eliminates the tendency of players that aren't super into a specific game because of its specific genre or difficulty and allows them to kind of create their own game that's involved with everything else and I know this is this is very swiftly encroaching on Ready Player One territory because it all this is. stuff, yeah, this stuff is only going to lead to it. But like I've like I've said several times, and I'll say again, uh, 
being able to start Skyrim and be literally nobody, which the game always does, but gives you some kind of royal heritage or divine blessing to be the hero. But starting as like a shopkeeper and then somebody like, it's all about what Sea of Thieves is doing and it's creating an environment where you can tell stories that they don't have to write. Right. And maybe it's my imagination being active, but a universe where I can be a shopkeeper and then like, my biggest haul getting jumped and taken and then that spurring a quest for me so that I can go hunt that guy down and become a bounty hunter or something. That sounds fucking awesome. And I want that. Right. Um, like, I think, I don't know, like that's not even live service or games as a service. Uh, I guess by definition, right. We've, we've kind of, I guess diverted a little bit, but, I think that's where games as a service have to go because you could monetize that system really well too, right? You could could make people pay for like business licenses. That sounds really fucking dumb, but like you could. But I think that that becomes, you know, if we're going to stick with the ready player one analogy, because I think it's the most pertinent it is, you know, and whether you've read the book or just see the movie, you end up getting though the, the round you end up getting into the realm of what is an, you know, it's it's a weird time to be a AAA game developer, right? Especially when you think about the cultural significance. I mean, I was at the pool the other day, uh, and some uh, some friends of ours were there, um, and their eldest uh, their eldest son, who's only eight, and uh, the other couple's son, who's eight, uh, they were tired of being at the pool because we'd been there for three hours. So they went and walked back to their house because they wanted to go play Fortnite, right? So there is a there is a cult- three hours at the pool, yeah. Um, there's a cultural, I think there's, when, when we start getting to this realm, there becomes a cultural responsibility that gamers put in, that the developers are putting into this game because now you're getting into a point, well, shit, if I have a shop, and this goes back to like the addiction conversation we had, uh, a couple you know, a couple podcasts yeah. ago. Well, now all yeah, of a sudden sure. you put a game, you have a, this live service game that's always updating and just because you're logged out doesn't mean your shop isn't there, right? So yeah, now yeah. the only thing you're thinking about in real life is, oh shit, the digital currency I'm making is potentially under attack um, and I can no longer focus on real life. So I think you know, ultimately there becomes an interesting mechanic there on, with especially with user-generated content on... Uh, how do we? How do developers create an ecosystem and an economy that allows players to benefit much in the way like you see content creators on Twitch or YouTube benefiting? Right. Right now we're just making sure. videos. We're just sitting here talking. This there was no investment in our on our point. But the next phase is is okay. Now we're seeing this user generated content inside of a game. How do I give this person? How do I give the Sergeant Sodiums, the Adeliciums, the you know the the the, the Caleb's um the ability to monetize what they're doing in this game yeah to do that yeah. i think i don't think it doesn't it, it sounds shitty to say companies will charge you for a business license but if there's real world implications to that right if you're going to open a virtual yeah. store where people can exchange digital goods that you're creating well so, you got to make money off of that somehow and if a business license is you know you buy that for 100 bucks and then that lets you sell your digital goods on a marketplace 
that they're, they've got to support the, the business side of it. What I'm getting at has to support the infrastructure, but they also have to give people a way to support themselves, I think, as the future comes with these types of experiences. Yeah, so maybe maybe games as a service moves into uh, like taxing. Maybe that becomes like the tax in the game, right? You sell an item for 20 in-game dollars and of those you get five and of those the developer gets one and like they have microtransactions where's the other 15 who gets the other 15 you said 20 and you accounted for five of those sure i mean like not making the in-game currency equivalent to actual real currency right Right. because if you sold like a thousand dollar sword and they had to divvy up a thousand dollars the studio is not making any money but no, my um, point, yeah, yeah, but that's that's my exact that's my exact point of like the the fiscal responsibility that where I think these developers are going to start having in games like this, right? I mean, uh, from everything I know from being streaming on Twitch and doing whatnot, that they have like Twitch has the 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 most you know the most amazing system in the fact that you know you only get you only get paid out at X amount of dollars, um, right. Uh, you know, so so that anything you're not making until you hit that threshold, you know, is just sitting in an escrow account. So I see that model being replicated uh, in a, in live services games where, OK, you're a shopkeeper, but you've only sold fifty dollars worth of merchandise and the payout. We only pay out in two hundred dollar intervals. So now you've got fifty dollars sitting there for six months because you you're a dick and nobody. What is it with us and dicks tonight? Um, Man, San Diego. Yeah. Um, no idea. <laughs> so now you've got the develop. That's how the developers make their money, right? They've got fifty thousand content creators with fifty dollars, and they don't have to pay any of them out, regardless of what they sell, until they hit a, a, a threshold. Um, that money's just sitting in an escrow account, bearing interest. Um, yeah, and that's how you end up with uh, the uh, the IOs uh, of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which <coughs> oh, I'm sorry, right into the mic. Oh, I thought that was funny. In I hadn't read the book, but I read the I watched the movie. With the game's called like IO Industries, right? Mm-hmm. And like IO Interactive that makes uh, yeah, yeah Hitman has yeah. the same. It almost looks the same. Yeah, it's very very and, similar. I mean, a reality in which the developer of Hitman runs the world is uh, absurd. But who who knows? Who knows? The future is the future. Terrifying, I guess. Yeah, there we go. We'll go with that. The future's terrifying. Um. But also, amazing. Uh yes. Nice mute. That was that was like cl- that. That was clutch. It was just in time. That was clutch. Um, Sarge brought up one one last thing that I guess we can bring up real quick before we come to wrap up. Um, he brought up city builders like city skylines and surrounding Mars and stuff like that. And I brought up Zoo Tycoon earlier. Ah, man. So what if, because VR is becoming even even bigger, right? What if you could create a zoo that got voted on and put on a playlist of like actual places people could go with VR headsets? Yeah. Right? Like what if you created, uh, what if you played Surviving Mars and created a huge Martian city and then you could sell tickets to people that were going to walk through the city? Uh, as like a tourist attraction. No, I, I, I mean, you, you see that. What is it? Uh, Roblox. 
um, is a is a great rudimentary example like that. Little Big Planet, I think, did some of that too, where you've got these yeah, user generated levels. Um, and there was a Mario game too that allowed you to, you know, the community could vote for levels, and your level got update up leveled or whatever. Um, yeah, Super Mario Maker. But I think that I I totally agree that that boils right back to our um our content because you know I'm just thinking about my son right who is he wants to be Owen from Jurassic World for for Halloween. He is. He thinks raptors are the nicest animals on the face of the planet, based on, uh, you know, what the way the way uh, uh, Chris Pratt interacts with the the raptor sure. that's not even with there. Blue. And with he's blue, he's yeah. three, so he doesn't grasp yet that the raptor is not there. Um, right, right. And I feel bad for him the day when he realizes, oh, that's not a real thing. Um, oh, you mean they're all dead? Yeah. Um, well, maybe by the time he might, you know, who knows? My son might grow up hey, to be knows? John yeah. Hammond um yeah that's yep yep uh, hey i'll make you a lot of money before she goes bad <laughs> that's right. uh, but my the point being is uh i think that's a totally viable economy system is because you've got the people that are going to want to be these world builders right and then all of a sudden you're allowing people to access your world uh and it's becoming you know a theme park inside of it and all of a sudden you've run your you are Sergeant Sodium, and you're on the world builder boards as the t- in the top five. So everybody wants to build your world, it's just like H in, uh, you know, yeah. it, was, it was top on the mod boards in uh, Ready Player One. In RPO, yeah, it's interesting, man. I think games as a service uh, will develop. It has several ways it can go. I think the most likely ways it can go are somehow monetizing user generated content in a way that the users agree with uh, and the creators agree with. Yep. And we'll see what happens when, uh, what's the game that media molecule is making now? Oh, the guys um, behind little big planet. What's it called? It's got like dreams. Yep. We'll see what happens when dreams releases and people are creating concerts and games and short films inside this. I can't wait for it to come out. I want to yeah, use it. Be like super crazy. Cool. Because like what happens when, it's almost here. People are going to start creating things that are going to be so popular that it'll be hard to believe a world where they don't get some kind of compensation for it. Because if you make something in this game and millions of people view it, that's, I have no idea how they're going to deal with that. Right? Like how do you compensate those people? Cause there's not ads built into the game and well, I think There's if it, not... I, I think it becomes I, I think it becomes a Twitch mixer YouTube you know type scenario, right? If you're if you're building content that is you know generating revenue for this organization, there's going to be affiliate agreements, there's going to be uh, partnership agreements, there's going to be all types of different you know things. Um, I think that is a you know I'm my the my the my normal day life from the business side of my head is now just going insane on how do I start the first one of these companies. <laughs> Yeah, how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we do let's, it? Uh, let's let's talk about this when we're not being recorded. Um, yeah, we, we we copyright 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 TM we, TM TM. We we have a guy. We have we know a guy. Um, <laughs> that can uh, that can develop these types of things. Um, anyway, I'll stop rambling now. Oh, you're good. It's interesting. It's fascinating, and uh, it's. It's almost hard to differentiate the last couple conversations we've had because they all tie into each other. But I think that's really cool because so much of what Battle Royale has done for games and what 
multiplayer is doing for games and causing single player to do to stay relevant and games as a service making both of those uh, genres of games kind of stay on their toes and change things up it's just i guess the first few episodes of this really we kind of got to dig in and illustrate how this industry is developing and mm-hmm. how cool it is to be alive like right now because i mean don't get me wrong being alive for the last 30 years has been great watching games move from you know pong to cinema Mm-hmm. to uh uncharted like the, that change is amazing in uncharted yeah. 4 when you're sitting on the couch and then you get to play crash bandicoot yeah you went right from pong to senoa that was a huge jump there was a lot of stuff no that's what i mean <laughs> that's what i mean that's, yeah, that's yeah. my point though like in 30 years moving from single pixel animation large jumbo pixel animations to like photo reality right in 30 years time is crazy because movies have been around for a hundred years and we're just you know what i mean like no they were around way longer and video games just kind of like yo we're gonna just do it yep um the next few years are gonna be really super interesting that was a little bit of a callback there i like that the just do it oh shit you didn't realize it didn't didn't i I completely Uh, planned it i completely uh, planned it shut up all right (laughs) all right so in wrapping up, my dude, because we're going to have to close up here soon so people don't get bored with us, what are your bounties this week? Uh, well, I guess the last two weeks, because last week we weren't on. What uh, you been playing? What you been listening to? What's up? What's up? So I uh, I finally finished The Rook. Uh, I am now on to, um, and if you guys don't know what The Rook is, it's a book by an author named Daniel O'Malley. He's written two. Uh, the first one, it deals with a supernatural uh, agency that is tied to the British government that nobody knows exists uh, called the Chiquet Group. Um, it's super cool, uh, the first book. Now the second book is, uh, his second book is the follow-up called Stiletto, uh, which deals with the, uh, deals with the um, enveloping of the enemy in the first book into the Chiquet. Uh, so it's, it's a totally different aspect, and now there's a new supernatural kind of force that's threatening both organizations um so i just i i dig in the way that he writes uh i'm digging the way uh uh that he kind of ties the story structure together uh other than that playing yeah. uh playing a lot of PUBG. um like always nothing much there um i mean the bone the bone clocks i'll check that out uh at elysium that'll be a good one for uh when i'm done with stiletto uh thank you for that um, but, uh, I think, uh, oh. PUBG, and then I've been playing some of that vigor, uh, game, uh, which is yep. pretty awesome. Um, uh, does that game break down in close quarters combat as much as like PUBG and Daisy do? No, uh, in like, the you try to punch people, do you feel like a fucking idiot? No, in the, uh, in the 10 or so rounds that I've played, I've only had two encounters that ended in gunfire um both of us kind of yeah both of us kind of looked at each other readied our weapons and then they were they were like slowly back away so i took that as the sign of okay they just want to get their shit and get out um because it doesn't that's amazing the the object of the game is not to uh the object of the game is not to rack up kills right you're not going for a winner or a chicken dinner you're trying to get out with your shit um so there's been instances where i've run i've run into two guys that are obviously working together um, and then I, there's been instances where I've come up on somebody 
had my gun trained on them and then they kind of turn around and don't take any action. So I kind of go, well, I'm not that type of person. So I'm not just going to blindly kill somebody if they're going to walk away from me. Um, because I think that's, that's outstanding. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool interaction. I think in the, in, in that type of game, uh, there's another MMO that Nexian put out. It's also on the, uh, insiders program, uh, called hyper hyper drift. Or, I don't remember what it is exactly. It's called, uh, but it is a 2d side scrolling MMO. Um, they're not MMO, what? not MMO, sorry, MOBA. Uh, so it's super interesting. It plays a lot. Like, uh, you've got like a kind of a street fighter character. Uh, it's, almost i would say sprite based uh, lots of different champions you've got to go like you you know when you move zones of the map you actually get a whole different screen um it either goes up or down or left or right metroid uh <laughs> metroid style hyper universe hyper universe uh yeah that sounds that sounds right released by nexon yeah, yeah, yeah that's it hyper universe yeah. um so that it's pretty interesting i haven't dived most into it and then i am going to as we start getting a little bit closer to the release of darksiders 3 because i'm a huge fan of everything uh in that universe and just the whole story and back thing and everything i just I yeah dig. uh i'm gonna do a because uh, darksiders the first one and but the first two are on game pass uh so i've got those downloaded i'm gonna do a playthrough of those uh dope, dope. In, in prep for uh for that but yeah, other than that, um, catching up on some anime. Uh, that's about it. Dope. Well, my bounties. Uh, I've so a few. I don't know if I talked about this, but a, a couple of weeks ago, I absolute drift uh, was only six dollars. It was on sale, uh, and it's like a top-down isometric, super simple control drifting game. Mm-hmm. Driver, oh man, it's so great! Yeah, music's fantastic. The aesthetic's great. It's all like, like blank, plain palette colors of like white, and then like sharp reds and blues and yellows. Very like music's edge. Nice. And it's just a drifting game. You drift with music, and like you've got to hit clipping points and knock over blocks. And it's so great. Yeah, I've been playing it like crazy. Uh, it's one of those games where you'll play one level thirty times because you screw something up. Yep. You just hit one button and it starts right back over. There so you it's go. really arcadey. Uh I really dig it. I've also been playing uh No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started playing that yesterday a bunch. Uh, I got to play with my grandma and my uncle and a couple other people in and out. Uh I love being able to play with friends. That game was like I said, it was fun when I I had fun playing it when it first came out. So this now this is just it's even better. Um listening so I've been listening to a, an electronic producer named Conro, uh, C-O-N-R-O. He is super good. If you're in the mood for like happy vibe future bass, like he's your dude. All right. And he performed live at the Rocket League birthday party. So I got to see him and didn't have to pay for it. There you go. So that was dope. Um, yeah, I've been listening to a ton of that. Just like really, I've been in San Diego for a week, right? So my, I created a playlist of like, Music you'd listen to on a beach. What was so the he name? Played Rocket League. What was the name of that artist oh, again? Conroe, C O N R O. Do you use Apple Music by chance? Me? Yeah, you. Uh, no, yes. No, the other guy in the podcast. Do you have like an Apple Music subscription? Yes. I will. First of all, we need to add each other mm. so we can listen to what we listen to. But I can share that playlist with you. Okay. And then you won't even have to worry about it. It'll just be there. There we go. 
Um, but yeah, if anybody wants to add me on Apple Music, I haven't. I'm Lubwub on Apple Music as well. Uh, or you can look me up, Caleb Sawyer, and uh, you'll find me on there. And I've, I've got, I think I've got good playlists. My wife creates a shit ton of playlists because she's a fitness geek, and so she's a playlist for every week she works out. Well, um, so let me let me clarify that. So what's that? Melissa controls the Apple Music, um, and we um, have we have staunchly different tastes <laughs> in, in, uh, in, in music, uh, in, in music habits. So, um, I have to build mine up. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you can do it. You'll be all right. You'll all make right. it. I'll make it. Um, yeah, there you go. At Elysium, uh, I typed it out for you. Uh, he's, his stuff's great. You can find it on SoundCloud, Stitcher. Oops. Not Stitcher. That's weird. SoundCloud. Spotify? What's the green one? Spotify and go. I um jeez Stitcher whatever. Um reading I finished the Kilo 5 trilogy of Halo books and literally the epilogue of the third book in the trilogy makes reading the entire trilogy worth it. And I don't mean to say that like it wasn't worth it beforehand. Right. But the epilogue of the last book was such a reveal that I did not see coming and was completely like false flagged several times and like made you think other things were going on. It was so good that like I was driving, I think to my grandma's house the day before I left for San Diego and like it hit me and I, I almost had to stop the car. I was like, what the man, it was outstanding. And then I had a conversation on Twitter with the author and she was really cool. Um, it's outstanding. Yep. So if you have time to read three more books, read the Halo Kilo Five trilogy. Halo, They're fantastic. Kilo 5 trilogy. Yep. It's called uh the first one's Glasslands, the second one is Thursday War, and the last one is Mortal Dictata. Um, they're fucking great. Um, so that's music, games, reading. I'm watching The Office again, because why the fuck not? Um yeah, that's my that's my bounties. I uh Eric? what's up? Oh the uh did you see the newest trailer for, um, well, one, uh, Black Clan. Oh, my God, trailers. Looks. Yes. That really looks awesome. Amazing. Uh, I'm yes. so happy to see Denzel's son getting some roles outside of Ballers. Uh, Wait, is that actually Denzel's son, or are you just talking shit? No, that's his son. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, he's in Ballers. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. loved him in Ballers. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, well, you're talking to the guy who watched all of uh, Straight Outta Compton and was looking at uh, Ice Cube and going, where the fuck did they find this guy to play Ice Cube? It's He's uncannily perfect. Oh, nice. wait, it's his son. Oh, I'm an idiot. Um, and then uh, the, uh, the uh, second trailer for uh, Alita Battle Angel or Battle Angel Alita uh, looks yeah. just... I'm super down for that game or that movie so bad. Awesome. I want it. I, I need mean, it. It just looks, that's one of my all time favorite animes. Uh, and I'm just happy to see uh, that it's been treat. It's being treated uh, in the way that I would. My, my daughter looked at it and she's like, it looks like a video game. I'm like, I, I'm I even of, just called it a game trying to describe yeah, how I was excited like, I was for it. I was like, I'm kind of okay with this. Um, I, I'm kind of fine with it. Cause I've, there's been a lot of hate on like, Oh, she's got like giant eyes. And I'm like, it's source material, man. Yeah, who cares? Either way, source like, material. Shut up. She's a she's a robot. Yep. Why does why do you care? She's not human. Yeah. So uh, there have been a lot of trailers. I didn't bring up trailers at all. Uh, 
so we'll we'll do it we'll do a real quick run through of the san diego comic-con trailers yeah, yeah, if you've seen yeah, them yeah. all um titans what do you think oh i haven't seen the titan ones yet so i can't oh, comment it's on that one fucking, it looks it's awesome fucking dumb it's oh dude i was so excited that there was a teen titans show coming mm-hmm. that trailer is weird yep um so watch it see what you think yep. you see godzilla king of monsters i did i did what do you think uh it'll be interesting uh i like that it's got the tie-in uh you know monarch and it's it's kind of the the fits the post-credit scene of yeah they showed uh, the three-headed dragon too what's that one called hydra uh Uh, no it's not called hydra it's called like gamora or some shit was it i thought it was just hydra anyway um it might be you're probably right uh we saw mothra in there um yeah so i'm mothra yeah uh, Ghidorah. Ghidorah. Ghidorah is the that's it. Um yeah. and then uh you know we I, I can't imagine we won't see a Mecha Godzilla uh at some point show up in that movie. <laughs> not uh, in that movie. Not It'll that be movie. amazing. <laughs> and then uh, uh what was the other one? Oh, Shazam. Yeah, what I I uh I mean it's cool that they're being I thought funnier. It, I thought it was awesome like i enjoyed it i thought i'm just worried i i know it's it's dc so i've always got a kind of an air of caution around any superhero movie that they put out um, yeah because they're all like dangerously bad yeah um but i thought that it captured the essence i mean i think uh i think uh sketch sawyer uh buddy of ours said it perfect in uh the discord it's like big but a superhero movie <laughs> Oh, I didn't see that. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, he said That's it's so good. he said it's like big, but a superhero movie. And I'm just like, yeah, that it just looks yeah. it looks great. Uh and then uh was Aquaman? Aquaman was shown. Yeah. Um I uh, Jason Momoa just uh, made that character cool. Uh I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, gravitas. Yeah, gravitas, dude. He's the good. way that he plays and portrays uh Aquaman is just uh is just yeah. awesome. We'll see how it ends up playing out. Um uh, I'll see that one just because I am a, a huge Carl Drago fan, um, yep. you know, and then he got, he rest, got killed way too early. Rest in peace, homie. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, so I think, uh, those are all the big, huge ones. Oh, there's such a list, dude. Um, yeah. T- uh, Titans, night flyers, predator looked cool. Um, Glass? Did you see the trailer for Glass? Oh yeah! Oh, that was oh, oh. so good. Can't yeah. wait. I love the scene where Samuel Jackson looks up. He goes, "That sounds like the bad guys teaming up." And I was just like, "Yes, yes, dude!" It sounds like like M Night Shyamalan kind of redeemed himself with Split. <laughs> like, and it may have just been the last scene of Split, but he definitely was. No, I think pulled all of his I, 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 yeah, I'm really annoyed still that James McAvoy did not get some sort of nod at an award. Oh, playing 24 characters C- ceremony for, for that because there are, I mean, distinctly different characters. Um, yeah, in, in that movie. Um, yeah, it was freaky good. Yeah, freaky good. Uh, and then when yeah. he becomes the beast that he's and he's like he jacks himself all up like it's just like dude, come on. Um, yeah, crazy. he put on some uh, some muscle. Yeah, for that a little bit, a little bit of that. Yeah, um, Iron Fist got a season two teaser. I'm actually excited about Iron Fist season two because apparently he's awesome in Luke Cage season two. Yeah, so his character got a bit of a redemption coming. Well, I yeah, I mean that was the weirdest of the 
the fight scenes just i think he's more uh, hopefully what the biggest my biggest qualm was i think from iron fist i expected flawless choreography and not looking yeah like, not looking like some dude uh who just got done with like tai chi 101 uh, yeah maybe that was their point because there's one scene and if you've seen iron fist all the way through this isn't yeah. a spoiler so don't worry there's one scene in the first season where you're watching footage of the old iron fist fighting in world war ii with both fists lit up yeah and the choreography of that scene is fucking perfect yeah he was like crushing the everybody best fight scenes i've ever seen yeah um and then you've got you know this dude fighting like a dweeb yep i think they were trying too hard to make him not good at it because he wasn't done training right i understand um, that he's not done training and also he doesn't want it um really it's yeah. kind of he's kind of apprehensive to use it um i don't know why i emphasize to use it so much there um, yeah, it's, it was weird it's, um but yeah I, I i understand the purpose of it but you know you stack that up against the punisher the first two seasons of daredevil jessica jones and luke cage it's like what just what just happened yeah well guys what did you what were you what yeah what, what i'm excited i have faith that they can restore yep um his stature uh, of kung fu warrior yeah and then we got uh walking dead season oh who cares um yeah i was gonna bring it up and i closed uh, the link as soon as i started to say it i i i i my uh, my wife has been trying to get me to finish season eight and i just i she keeps looking at me and i she keeps going i don't know what and i go it's just and it's not, not good anymore. it's not the actors i think you know no. I, think, I think all the actors are great i think they play their parts good i love the way uh that um what's his face uh is denny or is Denny? He's Denny in another movie. Is uh, is Negan? Um, oh yeah, um, I can't oh remember the actor's God. name, but uh, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, Jeffrey thank you. Dean Morgan. Yeah, uh, I think he's phenomenal uh, at bringing Negan to life. Um, yeah, I just the show is just so weirdly off the rails. Um, I'm not. You sure. see, Andrew Lincoln's not coming back after. Yep. Yeah, and then we're losing. Uh, you know, I would. I can't imagine that it goes past season season nine. No, I hope not. Yeah. Anyway, bring it to an end. Yep. All right. All right. Well, that's uh, thanks for being patient with us, everybody. Uh, I have to record San Diego, but I was with people that don't record podcasts every week, so they were a little what's the word tentative to do it, and so nothing really you guys, happened. You guys are at a party. Nobody wants yeah, to sit we, down yeah. for ninety minutes and record a podcast, even though that's what everybody yeah. around you was doing. It's all right. It's just, this just means next year we can do it, and yeah. we'll wake up early one day to do it. We'll because, figure out a way to do it live. Yeah, we'll get it done. Mm-hmm. Get cameras and everything. Um, yeah, thanks for being patient with us and, and waiting a week. Um, I have some audio of us playing tabletop games that I might be able to splice into something fun, but probably not. Um, but we're back now. No worries. Look forward to seeing us every week, mm-hmm. as before. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, thanks for sticking around for this one. Uh, Eric, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Hybrid Glass everywhere. Twitch, Twitter. Uh, I'm I'm actually doing something with my YouTube channel um, soon. So hopefully I'm going to have that up. Maybe some Let's Plays, some clips, uh, and things like that. Uh, awesome. But, but we'll see. It's a, it's a matter of time. Um, yeah, so find me on the interwebs everywhere at Hybrid Glass. All right, and you can find me everywhere at LoveWub. That's uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Apple Music. 
anywhere you need to find me that's how you find me l-u-b-w-u-b thanks so much for listening guys and we will catch you again next week peace